I hope you tuned in tonight ready to exercise that organ between your ears because we've got some provocative content this evening. We are going to put one of the platform planks of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to the test. We're going to do what she clearly hasn't and break out a calculator and do some math to find out whether or not this idea of hers of universal basic income would actually work. We're going to do that later in the program. Also, I have a, a model that I want to share with you. I'm not quite sure how to classify this yet. It's a, a work in progress that I believe provides a, a framework in which we can better understand and process and perceive the news of the day, understand what's happening, understand the interaction between politics and culture, and react appropriately to the efforts from those on the political left to undermine our liberties going forward. But before we get to any of that tonight, have you ever looked back on the past and thought to yourself, boy, those were the days, you know, particularly on the right in libertarian circles, tea party circles, conservative circles, there is this tendency to look back at years long gone by with uh, a little twinkle in our eye, and think to ourselves, man, those were the days. Things were so much better back when we had more freedom, when the government was smaller, when the the tax rolls were reduced, when there were fewer agencies. And there's a kernel of truth to that, absolutely. But there's a bigger picture that we need to take into consideration. And we have a guest on the line with us during this first segment to flesh that out a little bit tonight. It's closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 1035 FM. Catch us streaming at and your iHeartRadio app. We're here 9 to 11 weeknights. Appreciate you joining us. You can catch up on past shows by doing a search for closing argument in your iHeartRadio app, and our channel will pop right up. 651-989-5855 is the number to join us this evening. You may feel so inclined as we proceed through the program tonight. Brad Ullman takes those calls and produces the show. So we begin with our guest on the line, Steve Horwitz, who is, now this is, this is a mouthful of a bio, the John H. Schnatter Distinguished Professor of Free Enterprise in the Department of Economics in the Miller College of Business at Ball State University in Muncie, Illinois, that is, or Indiana. That is one sentence. He is also an affiliated senior scholar at the Mercatus Center in Arlington, Virginia, and a senior fellow at the Fraser Institute of Canada. He is the author of three books, including most recently Hayek's Modern Family, subtitled Classical Liberalism and the Evolution of Social Institutions. He's written extensively on Hayek and Austrian economics, monetary theory and history, and American economic history, and is a frequent guest on radio and cable TV programs such as this one. Welcome, Professor Horowitz. Appreciate you joining us on Closing Argument. My pleasure, Walter. Hope there's some time left for me to talk after that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you wrote it, right? Or somebody wrote it for you. (laughs) So we have you on tonight. You know, perhaps economics will come into play a little bit here, but primarily the reason why I wanted to have you on the program is because of a piece you wrote recently over at libertarianism.org, which people can go check out, entitled The Errors of Nostalgitarianism. 
And that's a provocative term, which I assume you've coined for us. Can you define and describe what nostalgiatarianism is and why we need to be cognizant of it? Yeah, I actually stole the term from a Facebook friend who who kind of came up with it, and I and it's now mine. So that's how that's going to go. Well, I think the idea behind that that term was simply there's too often libertarians uh, have this again nostalgia for the past and believe there was this time in the past of great freedom that you know sort of zenith of of a free society that we you know and we it's all been downhill since then. And they often point say to the late 1800s as as that time, mm-hmm. uh, and it's true and, and they have a point as you noted earlier right that that at least the the, the size of the state in terms of its government in terms of its influence on our economic activity was much smaller. But the flaw in that argument is is that they that the nostalgitarians ignore the fact that women, people of color, oftentimes non Christians, uh, and other uh, sexual minorities had very very restricted rights at that time. So married women, uh, not uh, depending on the state, but married women couldn't con- couldn't uh, c- conclude contracts, uh, couldn't you know uh, own property of their own, and certainly Jim Crow laws were were common all over the place, and uh, you wouldn't want to be a person of color in the South at that time. So uh, we can go on with, with examples like that. So what we have is a world in which, you know, white property men perhaps had more freedom, but everyone else had very, very little. And so if we want to think about the, the total amount of freedom back then, we got to account for the fact that those other groups were, were very restricted in what they could do. Yeah, the image comes to mind of kind of like a total freedom index where you weigh on the one end the ways in which the state itself was indeed much smaller than it is today. However, you had all of these uh, various institutions of the state that were arrayed against the rights of uh, a number of minorities in different categories. Now, why is this important as people who value individual rights, you know, whether we identify as libertarian or conservative or wherever we fall on the spectrum on the right side of the political aisle, so to speak? Why is it important for us to acknowledge this reality of the past yeah. and incorporate it into our activism going forward? I think a couple reasons, and the and the the first one is the most is the sort of we we just need to be on the side of truth, right? right? I mean, we don't we don't convince anyone if we don't get our facts right. But I think the other one, the other point is a little bit more strategic, right? That that when to the degree that say libertarians want to expand their their membership and and it's, and and make their ideas more appealing to more people. The reality is it's going to have to appeal to women, to people right. of color, to the LGBT crowd. I mean, all of those groups who were excluded 150 years ago are precisely the people who need to, you know, who, who we need to get the message to now. And when we make these nostalgitarian type arguments, those people hear that and think, wait, <laughs> you know, back then I couldn't do this, I couldn't right. do that, I couldn't right. vote, I couldn't get into a public university. But that's your idea of a free society. Why do I want to be a libertarian or, or whatever if, if your vision of a free society is one that excluded people like me? And I think, you know, in terms of getting our ideas out there and getting them uh, heard by, by groups who haven't in the past, the, the nostalgitarian argument, I think, that kind of turn off to many people in those groups. Yeah, I, I recall this very 
argument being utilized both in 2012 and 2016 against the Republican nominees, both Mitt Romney and Donald Trump. And they brought it on themselves. You know, with Donald Trump, his his campaign slogan of Make America Great Again, implicit in that is the notion that there was some point in the past where America was, if not an ideal much closer to the ideal than it is today, and we need to work to bring ourselves back to that moment. And Mitt Romney had similar language that he used during the 2012 campaign, and in both cases, his political opponents, the the candidate's political opponents on the left, were able to say, well, do you really want to go back to 1955 or to 1920? Do you know what you were treated like as a black person or as a, a sexual minority or whatever the case may be? It's a persuasive argument it is and i think we, we see we've seen the left use that turn back the clock language right going back to at least bork right and so so i think it's really important for libertarians and, and others to to be forward-looking and say look we can recognize that back then the people who did have that economic freedom did a lot of great things wouldn't it be great if, if we had in the past extended those to all those other groups and if today we can talk about the ways in which the this sort of the, the you know extensive stand, hand of the state interferes with the ability of not right. just white men but women and people of color and everyone else to move to move forward economically and so if we could just you know get the burden of the state off everybody in the united states uh we, we could certainly have a much more free and prosperous society so i think that notion of looking forward right mm. without you know without saying the history of america was this sort of you know history of all the terrible things that happened we can recognize the good things but say that right. those are the things we want to make available to everyone now. right yeah, the the left has annexed the language of progress and the, mm-hmm. the language of forward thinking and looking forward and moving forward. And it's it's, you know, through the names of their organizations and all the rhetoric that they use in the public discourse. And that is it's more than unfortunate. It's <laughs> rhetorically criminal. I'll put it that way, yeah. because the, the fact and, of the matter is, yeah, go ahead. There's an irony there too, right? right. One of the ironies is, is that they're petrified of, of uncontrolled economic change, right? Mm-hmm. To, to them, to, to many on the left, right, the the that sort of forward-looking progress and so on, they don't want that right. in the way that markets deliver that through through the sort of process of discovery. And I think libertarians and others have an opportunity to grab onto that language and say, no, this is really, you know, we're we're the we're the people in the party of Uber. Right. And those Airbnb right. and sort of all these, you know, all these things that are that are forward looking yeah. about how markets work. Yeah, we, the, our way of doing things is how your life gets better over time, right. rather right. than you know, and, and that's a much better way, just as a sales pitch, than mm-hmm. saying we're going to drag you back to yesteryear. You know, looking forward. Yeah. So the final question I have for you this evening, Professor uh, Steve Horwitz. Um, is what has the response been? I'm sure in writing a post on uh, libertarianism.org, you have a wide audience there, and I'm sure you've gotten some feedback in terms of uh, response, both positive and negative, to your piece, The Errors of Nostalgitarianism there. What have you been hearing from folks? Mostly positive. And again, it's about, I mean, you know, mostly, most of the feedback's via Facebook and my Facebook page. And so there's a, there's a built in bias there, right? Right. Sure. Uh, but yeah. so, sort of mostly positive, and I think correlated with age to a significant extent, younger people get it in a way. And I think you know, the negative responses have been 
you know, sort of forms of what I would call right-wing virtue signaling, sort of saying, well, what you're saying, you're buying all this progressive nonsense, you're saying that, that we have to, you know, don sackcloth and ashes every time we talk about the history of, of the United States. No, I'm not saying that at all. You know, read carefully, and and you can recognize the good things from the past. But again, we want we want to bring them bring them forward. So I think the response has been been mostly positive. But again, I'm you know I'm looking at a slice of it that's that's probably prone to to wanting to see the positives there. S.G. Horwitz, which is spelled H-O-R-W-I-T-Z dot com. That's your website. Uh, is, is there anything you're up to that you want to bring our listeners' attention to on your way out this evening? Uh, well, I'm, I'm hoping, because this project was with Libertarianism.org, which is all uh, in Cato, I'm hoping that in the next few months they will be releasing a, a whole series of videos and a text I did on as an introduction to Austrian economics. So for your listeners who are interested in Austrian econ, that should be coming out through Cato and Libertarianism.org. Sometime we, soon, and I'm, I'm waiting for the word from them, but, but sometime soon we should see that there, so that might be something that listeners will be interested in. Excellent. We will look forward to it and uh, keep track of it and have you back on when it comes out. Thanks for joining right, thank us this evening. Thanks, Walter. Closing argument. My name is Walter Hudson. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 651-989-5855. We're going to expound upon what we just talked about with Professor Steve Horwitz when we return to Twin Cities News Talk. Doc.